today got to be some type of productive day. Like, you got to get up. I got to make something happen today where I feel good with myself. Welcome back to Jump by Design. We have a special episode today exploring what success really looks like and how should we really define it? Can we measure it? Is it securing your next round of funding? Or is it a greater achievement to secure a place to sleep for the night if you couldn't the night before? To me, it's a measure of the distance you've traveled, not where you're at. Consider folks who recently arrived in this country on journeys that we'll never have to take. You may not think of them as successful. They don't have money, they're starting from scratch, but their success is in their own right, in their own way. They've gotten to a place where opportunity exists that were not available for them before. Getting to the starting line is certainly worthy of a celebration on many levels. Success requires a relative measure. In the past episodes, we spent time speaking with individuals who reached high levels in their fields, people who everyone would consider successful. Today's show is about some people you may not often see or view as successful. It's about some young men who don't get recognition for the incredible strides they're making towards success. But accelerating achievement is what Jump by Design is about. Being clear about where you're at, where you want to go, having a plan to get there, and investing in your team. And with that in mind, these episodes should help expand the traditional image of success. Over the next hour or so, we'll be speaking with some people finding great success helping others, and some young men who've taken the hardest big steps, those first steps in their journey, from incarceration to free. Young adults determined to contribute, to do the things in their communities and for their families that make the world a better place. This summer, I was lucky enough to spend time with two of them who are part of the GoSo program and a few of the company's key employees. The organization Get Out and Stay Out is based in New York City. It was established in 2003 by Mark Goldsmith, MG, a good friend of mine, and it has established itself as one of the most effective reentry programs in the country for justice-involved 16 to 24-year-old men. Less than 15% of the participants return to jail compared to the national average of over 67%. I'm hoping that after you hear the episode, you'll come back and you'll support the organization because it's super worthy. In our short time together, it became clear to me that success, true success, has nothing to do with tangible monetary assets and everything to do with the contribution of the individual. I spoke with MG, and a couple of his key support folks, and two young men, TK and Xavier, who survived some of the toughest situations a man could face. They made big mistakes and they learned from them. In situations where many give up and most are given up on, they chose a different path. And it was once completely foreign to them and they embraced it and they're seeing great results. Success cannot be measured, but if it could, these young men would rate off the charts. I hope you learn as much from them as I did about grit and resilience and what it really means to succeed. Mark Goldsmith, you had been a senior executive at Alme and uh, had reached this very high level in the advertising industry long before you thought about starting Goso. It was the last thing in my mind. There was, there was no Goso. There was not even a possibility. So when you think about when you were first starting out, you think about how you build confidence in your own abilities. To do this? 
No, when you were initially successful. I was very much uh, boilerplate. I went to undergraduate school. I couldn't imagine studying business for six years. I thought that'd be pretty boring. So I was a poli-sci major at NYU all in the evening because I had unceremoniously left Penn State after two years. Uh, It was all about basketball. It was always about socializing and having a good time, which I was very good at and uh, got into my share of trouble, not the kind of trouble they get in today, but uh, trouble. Uh, spent one night behind bars because I, I accidentally ran into a, a police car. So I transformed that thinking of these young men, who most of which have no fathers living in their homes. It's a matriarchal society they grow up in, and no direction and no one to help them. And that's why we're here today. You made this enormously successful transition from the advertising business to this not-for-profit world to do some things that the average person wouldn't think about doing. You started this organization getting out and staying out specifically to help educate and get jobs for convicted felons. Right. People, young men who had been involved in the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. In other words, they, had, they might be guilty of misdemeanors, they might consist of felonies, but they had been in the court system marking them for life in New York State because there's no expungement in New York State. And the amazing thing coming into your office, the first thing that you notice here is that the kids in this office, they don't resemble the inmates at odds. You could be walking into a high school or a college anywhere in New York City and you're looking at kids who look like these kids, except they have a much, much harder time of it going forward from where they're at, I imagine. A much harder time because once you have a record in this state, you're a marked man. Conceptually, I thought about why wait till they get out? Why would you wait till they get out? They're locked up literally and figuratively. There they're sitting with nothing to do. Why not talk to them about their futures? Because nobody had ever done that before. And everyone who was speaking to them were either teachers or social workers. It was very unique for a businessman to be there because I was there in a suit and a tie. I was a symbol of something that they had never even thought they would ever talk to a real businessman who made a certain amount of money in his day and was successful because their world, their neighborhoods, are one block east, west, north, and south of where they live. I have guys in Brooklyn who won't come to East Harlem because it's too far away, it's too dangerous. They won't come where I spend every single day. Why? Because of gangs. So when you think about the cost associated with not helping these kids when they get out? The costs are astronomical. To keep a young, keep somebody upstate in an upstate prison, $75,000 a year. To keep somebody at Rikers Island, which is frightfully expensive, maybe one hundred and fifty dollars to $175,000 a year. And my program cost per client is well under $4,000 per year, and that involves a paid internship. Wow. I'm here with TK at GOSO, and we're having a uh, wonderful chat about exploring the different ways that we define achievement and trying to uh, expand for our audience, TK, um, how they're thinking about achievement. Because for us, it's not necessarily what your title is or where you're at, it's the distance that you came, right? right. Can you tell us about where you were when you're at your lowest? Um, I would say the lowest part in my life would probably be when I was incarcerated. Like, that was a different level. It's like under the basement, you feel me? So you're losing your freedom. Yeah, yeah. I'm losing my freedom, yeah. 
Did you know it was happening? Could you see the writing on the wall? Um, nobody really, you can't really see it end of the tunnel when you're in the middle of the storm, you feel me? You can't really yeah. see the light at the end of the tunnel when you're just beginning your journey. So sometimes you gotta just wait it out. So you're thinking, I'm not gonna get caught, nothing's going south. Everybody thinks that. Right. You don't wanna right. get caught. Right, so at what point did you realize that you had you had to change how you were thinking about stuff? Where were you? Um, I'd probably say the first night I went to sleep, it just was long. And it's just like... Were you at Rikers? Yeah, I was on Rikers. How old were you? 18. Wow. Yeah, I was 18. Forget what got you there. Murder. Murder in the second degree. And criminal possession of a weapon in like the third. Yeah. And you were 17 at the time or 16? 17, 18. I just turned 18. I just... So... That's heavy shit. Yeah, but now, growing up, you know, being the person I am today, you could just look back and just, you could smile at certain things. So, that's your lowest. How many years ago is that? That was two years ago. Okay, man. When did you walk in the door here at Goso? Um, when I came home, I was, I ain't gonna lie, I was, I was still like, Trying to find my way, you know. So it it took me like a week or two to walk in. I was home for like two weeks before I came in. So. so when you think about the distance that you traveled from that first night in that cell. <laughs> to go. Yeah. That's a pretty long distance. Only because of the bridge of Rikers. Only because of that bridge. That's like mentally... People on the island, that's the long bridge. So I want, I want to connect this, because there actually is a literal bridge, but I want to go to the, the, the figurative bridge, right? Because, you know, you were in this dark place, you know, doing some dark things. And Rikers might have been your darkest moment that day, but it was, in essence, a bridge that connected you to Goso, right? Right. So we're here on Madison on 116th, <laughs> right? right? What... What what are you waking up thinking about today that's so materially different than where you were at, you know, two, three years ago? How did that, how, how, when you think about that journey, you know, what's your vision today? That I'm sure it's got to be radically different than three years ago. I can't put it in words. <laughs> I can't really put it in words because it's like. But you're smiling. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of positivity yeah, coming out of you, man. Because it's different when you open your eyes and you look up at a white ceiling and you know that white ceiling is not your own. But it's a difference from waking up and seeing that white ceiling that got a little black on it, a little brown on it. You <laughs> feel me? You know that's your crib. Like, you know that's home. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a lot more comfortability when you wake up and open your eyes. So TK, when you think about your goals today, when you wake up in the morning and you're like, uh, I, got, I got this plan, I got this vision, how is that, how has that changed? And, and what's driving you? It changed... The only thing that changed is my motivation. It changed. The only thing that really changed is my own motivation because when I wake up in the morning, I'm just, I'm not I'm not on some. Before I was waking, I'm like, now nah, I'm on some now. Nah. Something today got to be some type of productive day. Like you got to get up. I got to make something happen today where I feel good with myself. Because then if I go to sleep, it's gonna be. I'm gonna feel like I didn't do nothing all day. So nothing's gonna change for me. How has the world received you? 
as a free man <laughs> working on uh, getting your life moving with momentum in the right direction? It depends on who exactly it is, you know, that, that sees me. Everybody in here understands. Everybody in here relates. Even though that's not a good thing sometimes, relating is a, is a bad thing too. But I'd rather be in here. And how hard is it when you're out there? It's bad because it's like, there's a lot of fake love. and Love is great, but it's like, I want, I want real love, you feel me? I hear you. I hear you. So from a job perspective, what's it, what's it been like for you getting out there and trying to make a buck? I would say, um, I don't, I really feel like I speak for more than one person when I say this. I wouldn't say I, that it's easy because, you know, when you come home, it's like, I need money in my pocket right now. You know, you gotta, you gotta make something right now. So it's hard. And what kind of jobs have been available to you? Um, legal jobs, but Everybody know like when you when you come home, it's gonna be more illegal jobs than it is legal. You feel me? So when you say legal jobs, you're not talking in a law firm. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking legit, like legit money. You know, so it'd be tempting. It'd be tempting. And what what if you could uh, create what you wanted, the job you wanted? What is that job? Working with kids. Yeah. Working with kids. I don't know. Kids like. I've always had nieces and nephews and stuff, so it's like, I don't know. I'd rather deal with younger kids than older kids. So, like, uh, sports program, coaching? Coaching. Yeah, definitely coaching. What's your sport? Basketball, football. <laughs> and what, what, are the, what are the obstacles for you right now? The streets. Yeah. The distractions? That's the number one distraction. Because I, I can say it like this. When you, when you come home, sometimes you get a lot of love. You feel me? You get a lot of love. They like, oh yeah, he home at that third. It might be fake love, but you know, you just came home, so it's still love. You feel me? They don't. You gonna realize it's fake love, and now it's just like, now y'all distraction to me. I can't really, you know, I gotta stay away from it. Is it TK? Do you think I'm oversimplifying this? If, uh, if I broke it down to, you know, if you had a nine to five, you know, where you were able to make that contribution and see the kids. You know, playing as a team, hitting their shots, you know, like appreciating and enjoying uh, the community of, of playing on a team together. You came home at five o'clock and you would feel satisfied. Yeah. And and that the distractions would, would go away. Yeah, but honestly, the distractions is going to always be there. Yeah. Regardless, you feel me? The distractions will always be there. There's always going to be some type of obstacles in life. You're never just going to get something. But the, are the distractions tied specifically to to the hood? Yeah. Yes. Do you think about moving? Of course. <laughs> All the time. But it's like you got I can't I can't jump to plan C if I don't got a plan A, you feel me? I gotta start somewhere. You feel me? But as he one of the older dudes in my hood the other day, he was like, they always tell you, you know, I make a dollar fifteen cent. They'll not they'll never tell you how to make the fifteen cent. You feel me? <laughs> They'll never tell you how to make it. Now I got to find a way to make the 15 cent just to double that, to triple that to a dollar. So it's like, all right, you got to start here first. I'm pulling for you, TK, man. Thank you. Thank you.
TK, how do the people that you're around, that are around you? Now? Yeah, and now and before, how are they impact your, your frame of mind, your ability to achieve and succeed in life? Well, the people that I was hanging around before was completely dragging me down. I see it now. It was completely leading me in the wrong direction. The people that was trying to lead me in the right direction, I, I'm close with them. I'm closer with them now, and they always rooting for me. Like they're my number one fans, and I love that because it's like, if I'm not, if I'm doing something and nobody else sees, they're gonna pop. They pop up out the cut. Like yo, boy, I see that. Well, I'm proud of you. Like I need that. I need that type of energy in my life because negative energy is gonna. All that's gonna do is just deter you to the, doing something wrong. I don't need that. Nobody do. I didn't realize it's only two years. Yeah, but you know, it feels longer. You know, it do feel it feels longer. Three years for like thirteen, two for like ten years. That's not for nobody. TK, you're you're in Rikers when you get introduced to Goso. What was that like and how did it impact how you were thinking about things when you were in there, unable to access the free world? When I first heard of Goso, I was in school. Mr. Goldsmith just popped up in the classroom. In school in Rikers. Yeah, I was in school. He was like, he he explained the program. At first, I'm just like, all these programs, nobody's really gonna get me out of here. You know, you start to, you when you locked up for what I was locked up for, it's like you start to lose faith early. But after a while, I keep hearing about it. I'm just like, Boy, I'm like 16, 17 months and everybody like, go so this, go so that. I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna see what's up. And then I'm in I was in Western Club. I was in my, my crib one day. Chelsea, she come my you feel me? My career yeah, manager. Yeah. yeah, she um she come, she come. She starts she really started talking about it. I'm like, Chelsea, I'm gonna come see you when I get out. All right. I come home, I waited like two weeks. <laughs> I waited like two weeks. Like a week or two, she was mad. But I came. Awesome. Came. Awesome. So TK, you referenced MG as Mark Goldsmith. He's the founder of Goso. Yeah. He really out. had this. Shout out Mark. He really had this, I'm going to ask you to talk about Mark a little bit. He really had this vision for this organization. And uh, it started when he was doing volunteer work at Rikers. So uh, 65-year-old white dude, you know, when you met him, he was already probably 80. Yeah, he was. Your boy. Close to 80, and he rolls in to Rikers to, to teach a class. Yeah. And what's that all about? The whole class was about Goso. It's, it's like, but it, when he when he first when he first when he first started talking about it, you know, and you see him, he's he's old, he's a real real older man. So it's like, I'm not about to listen to this, you know. So it's like, but he started really talking about it. He like that we gotta write an essay to get in. So I love writing. Like that's my that's really a passion of mine. Poetry, writing. I wasn't real good at math and stuff, just writing and reading. So when he said, write, I straight spilled everything I had. Like, this is why I want to be in Gozo, and I need to be in Gozo. Like, but he, he, uh, he's like, if you ever really just see him, he's just like a walking light. Like, he just, he, he just got great positive energy. So it's like, how can't you deny, why, how can you deny something from this man? You feel me? So. It make you want to keep. People yeah. who give off that same light in yeah. your in your orbit, right? Yeah, you wanna you wanna keep people like that in your surroundings. So of course I'm a I'm a go towards him. Like I'm a I'm gonna go towards Mr. Goldsmith. He's he's great energy. So when you think about that, every interaction you have with someone, they're either giving you energy or taking your energy, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> That's a fact.
TK, how old are you now? I'm 20. TK, what advice does the 20-year-old that you are today want to give to the 16-year-old who started hanging out, going out, doing his thing? That 16-year-old kid, <laughs> that kid, nah, I don't know. It's nothing. At 16, you can't, not that. Me at 16, I was like, I was listening. You weren't hearing it. I wasn't you hearing You couldn't it. have given yourself any advice. But what, I, what could have broken through the noise, man? I would say the pain. Like, if, if the pain would have just stopped for at least a year with the family and life in general, I'd have been, I'd have been good. So, the pain at 16, if you could have made it go away? No, the pain at, a, at an age younger than 16. Yeah. Yeah. It turned me into the person I was at 16, which turned me into the person I am today. But if I could tell him anything, I'll just tell him to be patient. Just be patient. What tool What tool would you put in that 16-year-old's toolkit to be more patient? No, nah, just be patient. Because at 16, my mindset at 16 was different. So it was like, I'm going to understand exactly what I mean. Just be patient. Wait it out. Just be patient. And that falls for everything in life. If I can tell my 16-year-old self that to this day, that's all I would say. Be patient. It's, it, I, I love what you're saying, <laughs> and you know I feel it. It's a lot of what I say to the guys in our organization who come in, you know, and they have this opportunity to sell stuff, and you know they're looking for that, you know, next something, that promotion or that next job six months later. I'm like, just be patient. Yeah, you got, you got, it's gonna everything gonna fall in line. You know, you don't want it when you when you when you want to move and you want to really make things happen. And you need stuff like not forget a want when you ha when you have necessities and 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 you have priorities. You you gotta just be patient. You gotta wait it out. You feel me? You can't rush nothing because then now you gonna try to build an empire. You don't even got your foundation right. You feel me? Yeah. So cool. Words of wisdom from <laughs> TK. Thank you, TK. You're right there, man. I'm You're trying. making it happen. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm telling you, man, I'm really in. You, you got to give your 20-year-old self that same advice, man. Yeah. Patience. It's hard to practice what you preach, though. It is. It's real hard to practice what you preach. So who are you looking up to these days? It's hard. It's hard to, you know, because it's like, it's, it's so many role models, but they don't see themselves as role models. So I can't look at a role model that's not trying to teach me anything. If I can't look up to you, if I can't tell you that I see you as some type of influence in my life, you're not going to push me to do something better with my life. I'm not going to tell you that. You feel me? It's going to be wasting my breath. So. Makes sense. Yeah. You got you gotta, to gotta boss up your mind. You feel me? You got to boss up your mind. I want to thank TK for sharing his story with us. TK has no title. On the day I met him, he didn't even have a job. But the other guys walking around Goso are looking to him and his attitude and his energy as they consider how to get their own journeys back on track. And yes, my friend, that is leading, that is leadership. I opened the show talking about how success requires a relative measure. We all set our own yardsticks and TK is demonstrating success, however you choose to define it, and it shouldn't be compared. The TK of two years ago is not the same TK I met at Goso. 180 degree turn and 100% momentum in the right direction 
is propelling him to where he is now. He's a young adult who's made difficult, regretful decisions and had experiences that have brought him wisdom beyond his years. Hopefully he continues down that path. We all know that the chart of success is never just up and to the right. So we can only hope to have self-compassion to forgive ourselves when we make bad decisions, learn from them, and become better people, more self-aware, and more capable of impacting others in a positive way. And TK, I'm rooting for him for sure. TK has made some big jumps already, accelerating his own ability to achieve and get some real, real wins. And he wants to help others find their way as well. That's just part one of the GoSo special. Next up, we hear from Xavier, another GoSo client, and two more key folks in the team leading the program. If you're interested in helping support the GoSo program, you can head over to their website at gosonyc.com. We're so grateful to be able to tell these stories. So any chance that we have to give back to these folks who are doing the hard work, we really appreciate you guys joining us in that. Tune in next time for some more Jump by Design. Come to the website, jumpbydesign.com, or get me on Twitter at David Pachter. Thank you for tuning in.